Welcome to JP Morgan TV. Thank you for joining. Today we will be discussing the overnight drift effect. We have three guests, Professor Paul Wewan, who is affiliated with the Chinese University of Hong Kong Imperial College and the Copenhagen Business School. Eric Rubin, a senior strategist from JP Morgan Systematic Cross Asset Research Team. And Jagadish Chawasani, hey. who heads the multi-asset systematic strategy at the JP Morgan Strategic Indices team. Paul, first, it's great to have you here and thank you for joining our video. You are one of the co-authors of the paper, The Overnight Drift. Can you please let us know what is the overnight drift and what triggered your research interest in this topic? Okay, well, firstly, thanks for having me. It's nice to talk. So the quote-unquote discovery of the overnight drift was uh, sort of a byproduct of some other research, which is still ongoing with my co-author at the New York Fed, Nina Boyachenko. So I was in New York, we were working on actually something related to bank risk, and we needed some measures of overnight bank risk, right? So the obvious thing to think about uh, was sort of CAPM style overnight betas. And so pulled some data and realized that actually something pretty cool existed, which I was not aware of at the time. And now it's basically the only thing I think about, which, uh, which is basically since about the, light, the late 1990s, equity markets in the US are 24 hours, effectively 24 hours a day, which is a bit strange when you first think about it, because it means that when you sort of investors in the US are going to bed, there's like foreign agents trading their own equity. And um, so we just thought that was like a quite interesting feature of the market. So it trades on Glogex on the CME. And um, so we pulled the data and I just, just think for fun, we wanted to look at what like returns look like. And so we quickly came across a sort of well-known fact, which goes along the lines of the following, that a, a large share of the overall close to close return that you would obtain if you, for example, just heard a passive uh, strategy in the index is earned overnight. And so some people have called that a puzzle, um, both academics and practitioners. And immediately we were like, that's not a puzzle to begin with. Right? And so actually, I think the, if you want to earn money overnight um, and you think you sh that's like interesting, I mean, you should probably go back to school because like there are more overnight hours than there are intraday hours in the perspective of the US. There should be a larger return overnight, even if you, we live in like a Black Shoals world, right? which we don't. Um, but like, it's not surprising. What was surprising was that actually, if you track the intraday return, like the like five minute by five minute, hour by hour, I mean, we went into very high frequencies at some point, uh, return profile of like, let's say 6% return or 5.5, 5 5.9% 5 return, whatever sample period you want, it's, there is most of that return is, well, earned overnight. But the crazy thing is it's earned during like a one hour window, 2 a.m. in New York time. So roughly speaking, 1.4, 1.5 basis points a day, three and a half to 4% a year, like over 50% of the close to close return is earned during a one hour window, which we dubbed the overnight drift hour. So it coincides exactly when European markets are opening up. So essentially when London and Frankfurt are opening up. And so unconditionally, so if you just look at things unconditionally, it looks like prices just rise, which is why we called it a drift, because they seem to drift up unconditionally and they don't revert. 
And so what we say is that the lion's share of the equity premium is earned during uh, the overnight drift hour. Thank you. So what can be driving this outsized return in the overnight period? Why does it exist? So initially it was maybe surprising and as academics we kind of often encouraged to write down models to explain these things and they can become very complicated but I mean that in the end it turned out that standard theory from the 80s explains pretty much what's going on with a twist. It's not a market inefficiency, it's nothing weird related to risk premium announced announcements in for example London, it's simply a it's an intermediation story. Uh, when um, when the US, you know, closes the day, um, there's people buying and selling, and there's usually a lot of price pressure in one direction or the other. And so standard sort of microstructure theory of intermediation or uh, would, would um, or demand for immediacy, to be uh, more exact, would tell you that there is a liquidity providers out there that are willing to take the other side of whatever trade you want to do as a speculator and investor. Um, but they do so for a premium. So like if you sell to them and they end up long, they don't like inventory risk. They have a whole hold their equity positions overnight. They're going to do so, but at a sort of lower price and then prices would revert. As a standard reversal type liquidity story. And on the plus side, you would imagine that there would be, you know, when, it, it, when they end up uh, very short, you know, they will do so, but like a higher price so they could sell a larger expected return going forward. Like standard ideas would tell you that that sort of, you know, reverse in one direction and reverse in another direction would unconditionally net out. And so nothing, you know, you wouldn't see anything in the data. So the, the special thing about the US and the special thing about equity markets is the leverage effect. So exactly when US markets close is a strange point in time because there is nothing really open for a while. So Asia kicks in, but a major trading partner who you're going to offload to doesn't sort of arrive to the market till London opens. The, the unconditional pattern comes from the fact that in market sell-offs, volatility also goes up. And so liquidity providers are naturally more risk averse. So when they're forced to hold long positions overnight, they demand a large premium. When they're forced to hold short positions overnight, they will hold a premium, but it's it's a much smaller premium. As you put, you know, 50% of plus days and 50% of negative days together, you end up with the overnight drift. And then the more, maybe the more nuanced point is, why does it not occur until the overnight until London opens or until Europe opens? And the answer is that, um, the answer is because we, we live in like clock time, right? We're talking now, it's like one, two, three, you can count your seconds, right? But when you trade, you don't trade in clock time. You trade in you trade in trade time, and so it's not the time that you see on your watch that matters in financial markets. It's the frequency at which transactions are conducted. When you rebase everything in transaction time. Um, everything that's perfectly linear. So basically, prices go down, they rebound linearly. Prices go up, they sort of flat. You take the two together, you get uh, the overnight drift. Quite informative. And on the practitioner side, we always focus, how can we design a profitable trading strategy, especially after costs. And in your paper, you present three trading strategies to exploit the overnight drift effect. Can you please elaborate on those three strategies? So the, the most naive thing you could do is just always buy uh, the market at close or 
yeah, except uh, buy order on close. Um, and that does not survive transaction costs. Um, and there are, even if the returns are very large, and so even if the, the transaction costs are very small, I'm talking about the transaction cost is you trade, have to trade twice, but e-mini trades at the minimum tick size always is pretty small. So you must ask yourself, where does it, the, where does the, the, the trade evaporate? And it evaporates for two reasons. One, it's 1.4 basis points per day, which is very persistent when it happens, but it's not large. So you have to be there at the right time. The most naive thing you could do is buy at the end of the day. And that's what this ETF did after I published my paper. So in the paper, the second thing we do is think about timing the market with price pressure. So when people are really trying to sell and when you can observe it, so if you can observe order flow, which you can, you can, when are people really trying to sell and when they really want to sell off in terms of demand elasticity, that's when you are sort of prices are really going to go down lots and they're going to rebound. The second signal is that the effect, so that's like on the demand side, on the supply side, when are dealers willing to supply liquidity and not supply liquidity? Well, when their constraints are binding. So if you think about the most naive kind of constraint, it's like we care, and you guys like, you have people look at value at risk, right? So when your value at risk constraints are very high, like you're less willing to provide intermediation, you're going to require a larger premium. So when people are really running, trying to sell, in a market when volatility is unconditionally high. That can overcome the transaction cost. Right? So actually, you can make that signal timing thing. But to give you like a more obvious answer, if the investor who is profiting from this strategy is you, not the client, it's JP Morgan, it's Goldman Sachs. You, are, you guys are already earning the premium. This isn't a premium that doesn't exist. Someone is earning that expected return it's the investor who is on both sides of the limit order book, right? There are like five or six big players, right? There's about 30 liquidity providers. Of those 30 liquidity providers, there's a small number which basically have all of the depth. And this is in follow-up work. This is the, if you want to earn money on the overnight drift by trading overnight markets, you become a liquidity provider. You simply do the, you just you spread your trades out on both sides of the mid. It's as simple as that. Then if you want to be more smarter about it, you spread your trades out on both sides of the mid on the limit order book, but you, you can trade the signal. So order flow signal interacted with a volatility signal. Thank you, Paul, for presenting your work on the overnight drift effect. Eric, you are a member of the JP Morgan Research Systematic Cross-Asset Strategy Team, and you have also worked into the breakdown between overnight and day daytime returns. What did you find? Uh, yes, uh, the initial trigger uh, was the by now well-published uh, fact that a large part of U.S. equity index returns are generated in the overnight trading session. Uh, the paper by Paul and his uh, co-authors gave an elegant and intuitive uh, explanation of uh, the driver of these large overnight returns with order imbalances at previous close, the likely reason uh, for its existence. When it comes to profiting from the overnight effects, uh, matters are more difficult though. A naive strategy of buying at the close and selling at the open exhibit good risk-adjusted returns without transaction costs. But unfortunately, uh, once transaction costs are affected in, all those uh, risk to, uh, returns disappear. Uh, similarly, concentrating uh, the buying and the selling in the overnight market around European 
uh, open only marginally improve those effects. So again, not a viable real life option. Uh, as uh, is mentioned in the, uh, in the paper, uh, the buy the dip strategy, where a long position uh, position is entered just before European open and uh, closed uh, two hours later, uh, only when the previous close uh, uh, order imbalance is negative, produces strong risk-adjusted returns after transaction costs. And uh, while this is a very interesting uh, investment uh, strategy, there are two elements to it that we found uh, uh, somewhat challenging. Uh, firstly, it uh, trades at points in the day when liquidity is low. Uh, secondly, it only takes long positions, so it will very likely have some positive beta to the equity market. And since we're interested in uh, liquid alternatives, uh, we would prefer to have strategies that take both long and short positions. So we end up uh, with a strategy that has no structural implicit beta to uh, the equity market. So how did you proceed to discover signals that meet both the liquidity criterion and also, and also that generate both long and short signals. So we set out uh, to uh, dig a bit deeper into uh, the predictive power of part day returns. So uh, we took the overnight returns and evaluated whether these overnight returns revealed anything about the subsequent daytime and overnight returns. Uh, similarly, we investigated whether daytime returns uh, predict subsequent overnight returns and daytime returns. And uh, what we found was that the direction of overnight returns continues into the daytime, but then reverts into the next overnight session. Um, or in other words, overnight returns lead to daytime momentum and overnight reversals. Uh, daytime returns, on the other hand, revert in the overnight session. And this reversion continues into the next daytime session. So daytime, re daytime returns are followed by overnight reversal and daytime reversal. And uh, this lever effect shares some uh, characteristics uh, with uh, the uh, mentioning in the paper of uh, that uh, distress, periods of distress are followed by reversals. Um, as to why these effects exist, uh, we believe that uh, the fact that a large part of the cash equity market is driven by index tracking passive investors uh, who simply need to execute trades at particular times and are price agnostic. Uh, this leads to predictable patterns in the futures market of which these anomalies are an example. So with the predictive power of these part day returns, you still need to get an investable strategy what is your approach to arrive at an investable strategy and what are the respective returns? To exploit the profitability of these uh, signals, uh, which we call the overnight signal strategy and the daytime signal strategy, uh, we wanted to limit turnover while making most of those short-term uh, returns. Uh, this led us to an approach where for the overnight signal strategy, we take the overnight return and assess the magnitude of that return by calculating uh, its uh, Z-score. If the Z-score is bigger than a certain threshold level, uh, we'll take a long position in the market just after open to profit from the subsequent daytime momentum and hold that position uh, till market close. Uh, at market close, then we'll turn that long position into a short position uh, to profit from the expected reversal in the next overnight session. Uh, similarly, if the Z-score of the overnight return is below the equivalent negative level, uh, reverse, we take reverse uh, positions. Um, for the daytime signal, we have a similar approach with uh, the difference being that the daytime uh, signal, uh, for the daytime signal, the position is always aiming for a reversal. So if we have a high daytime return, uh, we uh, follow that up with a short position in both the next overnight 
and the next daytime trading session, and of course the other way around. Uh, the results uh, are strong, especially for the overnight signal strategy. Um, so on S&P 500 futures, you get a sharp ratio of uh, 0.84 since 2008, and that's crucially after transaction cost. Uh, the daytime signal strategy produces uh, positive returns uh, as well, but uh, is lagging behind the overnight signal strategy and get a sharp of uh, 0.49. Um, also important to note is that, uh, in addition to the headline sharp ratios, is that it uh, is worthwhile to highlight that strategy does particularly well in conditions of heightened uncertainty. So both the, uh, in the global financial crisis, as well as in the COVID period, uh, we saw very good uh, returns to both those uh, strategies, the overnight signal strategy and the daytime signal strategy. Um, of course, in all of this, uh, it's of crucial importance that all relative con uh, relevant constraints and implementation aspects are taken into account uh, correctly. And this is uh, the one element where uh, the cooperation with the strategic index team uh, comes uh, into play uh, especially. So, uh, Jack, can you uh, elaborate on this uh, this aspect? Thank you, uh, Eric. Indeed, um, uh, this is a good time to uh, describe the work we have done with you, with you and your team to incorporate uh, the implementation considerations of such a strategy. Now, of course, the challenge is more around market open, where uh, in the future space, it's um, uh, uh, you would expect varying liquidity and also slightly thinner liquidity compared to the rest of the day, and especially compared to uh, the market close where uh, this uh, heavy derivatives trading, which uh, brings in a lot of liquidity into the market. So what we've done was to sit down with our traders and we've identified a window of around 20 minutes um, that is uh, starting a bit after market opens. So if the market opens at 9.30, uh, we start trading from 9.40 onwards and uh, uh, enter or exit um, uh, the position taken uh, based on the overnight signal um, uh, up to 10 a.m. So that's a 20 minute window uh, uh, in the morning. And um, uh, what's also interesting to note is the observation lag. So uh, we observe the overnight return just after market opens, avoiding the uh, open noise uh, uh, that comes in. Um, so the observation to execution lag is, is, is around four, uh, five to nine minutes, uh, depending on the market. And similarly around market open, um, in order to facilitate large size, um, uh, uh, of course, there is uh, uh, generally ample liquidity in the, in the US market around close. Uh, but of course, here we are talking about heightened, uh, heightened uncertainty uh, time. So we do use a three minute window uh, just before 4 p.m. where uh, the market uh, shuts for the day. And one thing to note is there's been an increasing interest in uh, we've spoken about S&P market so far, uh, but NASDAQ, uh, um, uh, thanks to the dominance of tech sector, we've been seeing a lot of interest in liquidity-driven strategies uh, on NASDAQ, and we've extended uh, the findings on NASDAQ as well, uh, following a very similar approach to that of S&P um, uh, trading in, uh, in a 20-minute window uh, in the morning and trading out uh, in a three-minute window around market close. How do the strategy returns compare to the other short-term equity index strategies? Uh, the overnight uh, strategy does quite a bit better than straightforward short-term reversal strategy, which comes in uh, with a sharp of around uh, 0.6. And correlation is uh, pretty low as well with short-term uh, reversal. Uh, I think more interesting is the interaction with uh, 
intraday momentum uh, strategies. And uh, here at JP Morgan, we uh, run a, uh, a host of uh, intraday momentum strategies. And uh, what we can say when we look at the interaction uh, uh, there is that, yeah, there is some correlation, uh, but overnight signal strategy delivers a clear diversifying return stream from intraday momentum uh, strategies. Uh, uh, Jack, what's your uh, perspective on uh, this uh, wider array of short-term uh, strategy? Yeah, I very much echo um, Eric's views here. The overnight drift strategy sits within the broader uh, flow-driven strategies, as we call them, or structural risk premium, uh, as they're also referred to. Uh, in particular, the appeal of the strategy comes from its uh, simplicity, uh, being one of the uh, one of the major points, and of course uh, the depth of research available um, in the market supporting the investment rationale as well is something which a lot of our clients value. The other interesting factor is the consistency of performance between uh, U.S. equities and Asian equity markets, uh, where we have managed to extend this strategy. And of course, thirdly, uh, uh, the scalability of, uh, of the strategy to a significant investment size, which particularly in the space of uh, structural strategies or flow-driven strategies is, uh, is a point a lot of investors look for because uh, uh, most of them cannot be scaled to, uh, to a significant size. So uh, this one is an interesting one from uh, that perspective as well. And there's, of course, constant emphasis on innovation in structural styles, uh, such as this one, um, because these strategies are key differentiators, in, uh, especially in market uh, uh, stress. Investors do expect uh, returns from these strategies to be a bit more pronounced in, in periods of market stress uh, than in uh, benign periods, which is, uh, which is one of the unique points to look for as well. When I think about a strategy like the one we're discussing, a suitable application seems to be hedging of equity exposure. Have you done any tests for that? Uh, yeah, that's an excellent point. And uh, we have tested this uh, hedging approach. Uh, basic premise here is uh, that uh, starting with a long position, say in the S&P 500 future, would hedge that uh, equity exposure whenever the strategy indicated a short position in either the overnight or daytime session. And the results of this uh, uh, hedging strategy were excellent. Risk-adjusted returns overall uh, characteristic of both this the long short and this uh, short overlay and uh, the hedging variant uh, were so compelling that they were put into a investable uh, format uh, as uh, uh, Jack already uh, uh, alluded to uh, shortly uh, earlier. Uh, can you share uh, any other experience uh, with uh, putting this in investable format, uh, Jack? Yes, absolutely, Eric. Uh, we do offer both variations of the strategy as you have described. So um, uh, just to recap, the long short variation, which trades both sides of the market when the signal is active, uh, uh, and that's uh, more of an absolute return uh, uh, kind of profile that, uh, that one could expect from that. And a second short only variation, which only takes the negative direction of the market when the signal is active. That is when um, the overnight gain in the market is strong. Uh, there's no position taken during the day, uh, but a short is initiated the following night around market close. And um, uh, likewise, if there's a strong sell-off in the market uh, uh, in the overnight uh, trading session uh, that activates the signal, a short is initiated at market open and covered um, at the day's close. The short-only variant 
uh, is quite interesting, especially when combined with a long market exposure. And that is uh, something uh, that could be viewed as enhanced beta solution where you get uh, market exposure most of the times, but when the signal is active uh, and especially uh, pointing to a short, uh, uh, the market exposure is neutralized and um, uh, one gains from um, uh, the lack of uh, negative returns expected from those, uh, from those sessions. So uh, this particularly appeals to buy and hold investors uh, looking into entering the equity market, but with a, uh, with a bit of outperformance over uh, holding on to the benchmark. So far, we have discussed the results achieved on S&P 500 futures. Did you assess the performance of the strategy on other markets? And what about other asset classes? Yeah, so in addition to the S&P 500 futures, we tested the overnight strategy on uh, NASDAQ 100 futures. Uh, Jack already uh, mentioned some of that uh, as well, uh, but also uh, Nikkei and Eurostox futures. Uh, unsurprisingly, given the overlap with S&P uh, futures, uh, result of the overnight signal strategy on NASDAQ futures was uh, comparably uh, strong. Uh, Nikkei produced slightly weaker uh, result, but still uh, uh, quite strong with an after transaction cost uh, sharp of uh, 0.59. Uh, outlier was uh, Eurostox, where the overnight reversal uh, on the back of the overnight signal did well, but the daytime momentum component had actually negative risk-adjusted returns. Uh, we think it's highly likely that uh, the fact that trading days in Europe overlap with those in the US, uh, and the US is the leading market, uh, mean that the daytime overnight breakdown doesn't quite work in the same way uh, in Europe. Um, of course, while each of these uh, regional strategies can easily be run on a standalone basis, the low correlation between them uh, means that the combination into a single global overnight signal strategy gives good diversification benefits. So that's uh, definitely worthwhile. Uh, combined strategy produces long-term risk-adjusted returns that in itself are comparable to the S&P 500-only ver uh, version, uh, but we get a slightly smoother payoff uh, profile uh, on this uh, global strategy. So uh, in by my estimate, that would still be uh, worthwhile to uh, uh, to use. Um, also, uh, short only overlay brings uh, benefits to equity portfolios in other regions to uh, predominantly uh, on the uh, Nikkei. Um, testing uh, the approach in other asset classes was a logical extension of the work in equity index future space, but unfortunately we didn't find uh, similar results uh, using the same uh, methodology. And we believe that the absence of a clear demarcation between the trading in the underlying and the futures, uh, as well as the absence of a large group of price agnostic investors are the key elements uh, as to uh, the lack of efficacy in other asset classes. Not only is the US a special market in the sense that, I mean, the US, right? But uh, they're in a special, they're a special market in the sense that they are positioned geographically in an interesting point of time. As the world spins round, as the US market closed, it's the only point in time when there is truly a no trading period, no trade period. If you think about the, when the Japanese market opens up and closes, Europe is open. And when Europe is opening and then closes, the US is open. So it's the one point in time when this happens. In the FX space, they call that the witching hour. It's just distinctly different. Yeah. So there's not quite such a strong intraday versus overnight split, unconditionally at least. There is one market which is very, I think, interesting to look at, uh, which you might want to think about, which is not trading Japanese equity in Japan, 
but trading the Nikkei US dollar denominated Nikkei contract on the CME has like a really, really interesting return patterns. Jack, how do this type of strategies fit within the JP Morgan QoS offering? What are the reasons clients are interested in those types of strategies? How can clients access them? Structural uh, styles play a very important role within the broader QIS offering. With many examples, uh, such as intraday momentum, mean reversion inequities, um, which have seen uh, the test of times, congestion across benchmark rules and commodities, or event-driven strategies as well, such as those that trade around option expiry, uh, month-end, start-of-month, FOMC uh, announcements, and so on. Um, they play a, a very important role within our offering. Our first strategy in the space uh, called the Cronus um, has recently indeed completed uh, 10 years since launch. And it was based on uh, Marco Klanowitz's uh, research around predictable market patterns around option expiry and month-end um, uh, month uh, order flow as well. The strategy remains popular with uh, clients today owing to its uh, long track record. We are indeed uh, also the first uh, QIS house to launch an uh, intraday momentum strategy, uh, and it was first launched on S&P uh, in QIS format in 2016, and uh, the space has evolved uh, uh, significantly since, and we have uh, various intraday styles across a broad range of equity markets. And apart from positive uh, expected returns, uh, what one expects from structural risk premium is positive convexity as well. That is uh, the ability for uh, the strategies to realize uh, excessive positive gains during uh, stress periods, um, uh, especially when there's uh, heightened uncertainty. There are more unknowns in the market uh, where volatility is high as well. We uh, currently offer a diverse bench of structural styles, uh, which form a core part of our uh, defensive-themed uh, QIS uh, offering owing to this property as well. And final question for Eric and Jack. What is next in terms of research on the topic? What are you currently looking at? Yeah, so there are various uh, avenues that uh, we'd like to explore further. Um, one of those uh, is uh, to see whether we can uh, improve the overnight signal by incorporating more information, like the order imbalance uh, that uh, proved important in uh, Paul's paper. Uh, another area of interest is uh, exploration of the effects in Europe, which differ uh, quite a bit from those in the US and Asia. So we'd like to get a better understanding of that as well. Uh, another logical extension uh, is uh, testing whether the uh, overnight signal works in single stock space, which of course would bring complication in terms of implementation, uh, but also uh, potential uh, benefits uh, by having a greater breadth of a much wider universe. Um, more broadly, I think uh, that uh, uh, other asset classes offer good opportunities for shorter-term uh, strategies too, and uh, the breadth of uh, JP Morgan's experience and the close cooperation with uh, Jack and his colleagues uh, of the Strategic Index team offer uh, great potential here. Yes, indeed. Uh, we are very much excited um, uh, to look at what the future holds in this area, and um, we look forward to continue our partnership with uh, Eric and his team. Over the years, we have made sizable investments in technology and operations to facilitate intraday execution in more, uh, uh, more and more markets. And today we are live on a broad range of asset classes, um, uh, let alone uh, assets within uh, equities, such as uh, futures and forwards, um, uh, options in equities, OTC FX, interest rate swaps, futures in uh, commodities, CDX index forwards as well. Uh, where we are able to trade uh, over multiple times during the day. 
there is a strong and growing demand in the market to access uh, short-term trading strategies with, of course, the transparency and cost efficiencies um, that one could expect from a QIS format. And there is a lot left to be done in catering to this demand. So uh, very much look forward to um, uh, further work in this area. Paul, Eric, Jack, thank you for sharing your thoughts and experience on this subject. And thank you to all the viewers for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about Paul's work, please visit his personal website where you can find more details about his research work. Also, if you're interested about JP Morgan's work and offerings in this space, please get in touch with your JP Morgan representatives and we'll be happy to engage further.